All right, so that was some pretty bad uh, kind of face acting there. Uh, I actually once saw on a website for an acting school, uh, face acting. It was like expression, which I could have used a little bit of that. Well, welcome to Musings of an Extrovert. You just heard a clip from Lay Miz. It's my favorite, favorite, favorite musical, as I've told you many times. Uh, I am going to be doing my second episode based off of Lay Miz. I'm going to be discussing uh, some of the things that I love about the show. Um, particularly in the next scene that I had left off at on my episode on Les Mis previously. If you want to go see that, check it out in season one. Um, it's a miserable muse. Uh, this is a miserable muse part two. Uh, so that clip that I just played for you was at the end of the day. So we'll jump in to Les Mis, but first, before we do that, please go ahead, hit that like button, go ahead and subscribe, and hit that bell notification, that way you can get notified every single time we drop an episode of the podcast, I would really appreciate it, and also, like I mentioned before, we have a Patreon, so please go be a patron, if you like this podcast, if you enjoy the content, help us create more content and grow, um, I want to make this a full-time thing. I want to make content creation uh, a part of my business and a part of the growing of the business. And so that just requires you to enjoy it. So I am going to work hard to make content that you are going to enjoy. Please work hard to help me make that content um, by showing your support. And if nothing else, just continue listening. Uh, and you guys who were listening from the beginning, thank you, and uh, I'm excited to continue going. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump in to my week. Actually, I want to talk about some of the things that I've been thinking about this week uh, as a little bit of a foreshadow for what is to come on the podcast. So uh, this week, we're going to be talking about Les Mis. Uh, I'm going to be doing my second episode on Les Mis, and I'm probably going to spend a good amount of time on the very second scene, uh, and the theme that is portrayed through the second scene, uh, in Les Mis after the bishop. Um, so immediately after the bishop and Jean Valjean's soliloquy, we jump right into real life, and boy is it real life. Um, so we're going to do that today, and then Next week, we're actually going to have uh, a good friend of mine sitting right here next to me on the couch. We're going to set this up a little bit further out so you can see my friend. Aaron is going to be joining me on the podcast again. You guys really enjoyed him on that first episode where he talked about his life and some of the things that he's doing and the ministry that he's doing. And please, if you'd like to support him, go ahead and support him. Um please help him continue to do the ministry work that the Lord has called him to do in FCA. Uh, so I can get that, those details to you next week when he's sitting on the couch with me. Um, but we're going to start a four part series 
and it's actually a biblical series. So we are going to be reading through uh, some of Hebrews, and we're going to reason through Hebrews together and sit down and share some good studying tips uh, for studying the Bible with you guys. Uh, and I hope that you guys will find that useful and helpful and help you grow closer to Jesus. Um, and I'd just like to make this this point out there again for him. He is the reason that I live and breathe. He's the reason that I do the things that I do. And I want you guys to know that. Uh, and I want you to know him most importantly. So if you don't know Jesus, go ahead and search him out. Search him out in the scriptures. Go directly to Genesis, go directly to the New Testament, and go find Jesus. And I think you'll find that Jesus went and found you in that case. Um, so that said, we're going to be talking about Jesus, talking about the scriptures, uh, and we're going to reason through the scriptures together. Uh, and I think that'll be fun for you uh, and for us too, because we're going we're gonna to approach it very honestly, very like, hey, here's here we are. We're 21st century men in the context of the United States. How are we going to understand the writings that were given to men in the first century that weren't in the United States and that this was to the church as a whole um, and to people that were in a certain context with certain things going on in their lives, with having to actually share how the, how the Lord should affect their life, how loving Jesus and following his commandments should affect their life, what the Old Testament means in relation to Jesus. All of these things um, are hard to understand as a 21st century man, and we are going to attempt to find that understanding. Uh, so that's going to be a very fun episode. Then we have another episode that will be coming up soon after. We might take a break mid-series. Um, mid We're going to do four parts for the series. There will be about 20-minute episodes, just like this episode will be. And then we will might take a break right in the middle, and that's when you'll hear uh, for what I'm about to muse about uh, is finances. We were talking about this a lot this week. So me and my wife, uh, we are prepping um, to continue on in our financial journey. Uh, we are running towards debt freedom and we are almost there, praise the Lord. And we actually went to go see a financial advisor today uh, so my wife could learn a little bit more about investing uh, and the benefits of investing so I could learn a little bit more about investing and some particular investing vehicles. Um, and so we could just learn all of this stuff together and walk forward together. So I'm very excited about finances. Uh, I think the Lord has a bright future for us uh, as we steward what he has given to us well because he's only given us funds to manage and he gives us funds to manage at for those who manage it well they can receive more they can use more for the benefit of others and we hope to be that um so i'm excited about finances i will actually be having a friend brian 
uh, he will be sitting next to me. So I hope you can get excited about that with me and you'll be ready to join. So let's go ahead and let's start talking. I just adjusted my, my mic, uh, so you should have heard a little bit of a movement there. But let's go ahead and let's start talking about Les Mis. So what is this scene that said, at the end of the day, you're another day older, um, and then goes into a lot of other things? And let me actually read these words to you, so then we can go off and, and think about this together. So I want to paint the picture. If you haven't seen the episode uh, or this particular portion of the movie, I will have a clip right here. And then I will continue and I just want to walk through this. So the words of that uh, particular portion say, at the end of the day, you're another day older. And that's all you can say for the life of the poor. It's a struggle, it's a war, and there's nothing that anyone's giving. One more day standing about, what is it for? One day less to be living. At the end of the day, you're another day colder, and the shirt on your back doesn't keep out the chill, and the righteous hurry past, they don't hear the little ones crying, and the plague is coming on fast, ready to kill, one day nearer to dying. At the end of the day, there's another day dawning. And the sun in the morning is waiting to rise. Like the waves crash on the sand, like a storm that'll break any second. There's a hunger in the land. There's a reckoning still to be reckoned. And there's going to be hell to pay at the end of the day. So that's just the beginning of this. But I want to discuss uh, not just the beginning and those words, though those words do paint a pretty strong picture I don't know if, if you are reading this picture the way that I am, but man, there's so much doom, despair. Um, these, this is coming in the middle of the scene. You're going to see people sitting in rows. You're going to see uh, alleyways that are full of people. These people are wearing rags that are filthy. Um, these people have really, their hair is really tattered and worn. Um, their teeth are darkened and black, and what they're really trying to paint is this picture of there was deep, deep, deep despair and poverty within France at the time um, that Jean Valjean was living. And so, um, and just so you guys know, I don't, I don't think Jean Valjean was a real person, but in the book, in the context of the book, in the setting of the book, that's where it is. These people are, there's poverty that is rampant and so what they paint is this picture of these people just walking past people are not caring they are not showing any kindness to anyone it is life is just terrible and hard and rough and it's just painful and you know as someone who feels a lot of sympathy and compassion for someone who's in a very very hard spot like that's a really hard thing to see um but i think you'll you'll notice this throughout the entire story there is poverty throughout but one of the most beautiful things within the story is the light that is being brought out of that poverty so one example one is jean valjean at the very beginning 
And this is the theme that I think carries through the entire story is that one act of kindness, one act of Jesus-like love changed the course of someone's life forever. And furthermore, as we'll see as we walk through this entire story, that one act turned into many acts through those who that act was given towards, um, namely Jean Valjean. Um, so let's stay on the path of poverty. So there is so much poverty going on. And then I love the way the, um, the musical goes because it follows through, you know, this, this city of just doom and gloom. And then all of a sudden you're in a factory and in this factory, there is this one character that you can tell they're trying to make the the main character, but it goes through other characters for a little bit who are kind of side characters. They're just like, they're not the main antagonist, but they're like an antagonist towards this person. Um, and that person is Fontaine. So Fontaine, uh, she is working in this factory. Fontaine had a child uh and in this scene we kind of hear all of these things so uh you see the women being uh, very crass and rude um they are kind of like suspicious of fontaine they make make her out to be um a a pro prostitute actually is what they make her out to be and then you see this one little moment where fontaine says to them uh, when they try to see what's written on her little note, um, Fontaine says to them, um, can you swear but for God you have nothing to keep, nothing to hide? And uh, I think it's keep, nothing to hide. Um, With your husband at home and a bit on the side is how she says it. And so she takes a little jab at these women who are being very rude to her um and so you see fontaine she's in here you see these women clearly these women are working because they need to work uh in this in this factory uh some things they like you know i think similar to our culture there was a class where there were both parties were working men were working women were working um i don't know of the history of that in france but um, yeah, these women were working at this factory, uh, and it was a, like a sewing factory. So we hear about the foreman in this factory. The foreman is this disgusting, I'd call him disgusting, uh, man who is very, uh, he's forward, he's fresh with the women, uh, in this factory. He thinks himself everything, um above these women um more so than he should even think himself um above as a supervisor um you know he he's very rude to these women but one woman is not giving him his way and that is fontaine um and so fontaine's already in kind of some like deep water with him as ridiculous as it is that she would be in deep water with him uh, for not being sexually um, up, you know, up front with him. Um, but 
she is in deep water with him. Um, the women want to push her out and they find this moment to frustrate Fontaine. Fontaine gets frustrated and she starts fighting over something. And then we see Jean Valjean walk in. So at this point, Jean Valjean has changed his entire life. Jean Valjean is no longer the man who got thrown out of a yard and thrown bread into the water. Um, you know, there he's no longer this ex-convict. He's now this super changed man. He's built up this business. He's a mayor. Uh, Monsieur le mayor. He's that. Uh, and so he's a really good man. And here's a hard, hard moment. He, being a good man, having changed, having his heart moved from being very hateful to being very loving and honoring and wanting to, to love people around him, even that kind of person can fall. And in this moment, he lets his judgment fall. Um, and I'd say his judgment fell when he found the foreman that he has. Um, but he lets the foreman make a decision when splitting up the ladies that were fighting only because Jean Valjean saw Javert, uh, the man who captured him, the man who was there at his release, the man who was after him even though he didn't know that Jean Valjean was Monsieur Le Maire. And so now Monsieur Le Maire, he actually ends up uh, going up and talking with uh, Javert. And that's going to be the next scene that we get to. Um, but we're going to talk about Fantine here because this is the moment where Fantine goes downhill uh, and not downhill in the sense like, oh, like uh, she's so bad, but downhill in the sense like, man, the desperation in her life just, it elevates and elevates and elevates. And you start seeing the evil of man that wants to take advantage of those who are in their lowest places. Um, and when I say man, I'm talking men and women. Um, but in this particular case, uh, there's a huge, huge disparity. The men are the ones that are that are trying to actually um, take advantage of Fontaine, but still men and women uh, and the depravity that comes when we are all just going after our own things, the things that we want um, and not what God wants. Uh, so we see Fontaine get thrown out of the factory and then Fontaine, desperate because her child is sick and she wants to get money to her child, to some pretty evil people that are taking care of her child. She wants to get money to her child, but she can't. So she takes to desperate measures and she goes to the side of town near the docks where there was prostitution, where there was selling of particular body parts uh, to make money uh, out of desperation. And so Fontaine ends up selling her hair. She ends up selling her teeth. She ends up selling her entire body. And she becomes a slave, in a sense, 
to this evil that is happening at the docks. Um, evil run by men and evil being partaken in by desperate, desperate women who were in desperate situations and not desperate in the sense like they want a man, but desperate in the sense of there's truly things that they they can't see a way out. And so that desperation has led them to this place. Um, and so there's prostitution going on in this place. And we just kind of see this in, this diminishing. Um, and Fontaine, her story is so tragic because Fontaine sings it in her last song. It's this, or well, the song that she sings in the boat. Uh, it's a reflection upon her life and how her life has just curved down in a downward spiral. And it is so sad. It's gut-wrenching. I remember I was at the theater. First time seeing this show, I was with my friend Ellie. And my friend Ellie started bawling at this scene. I mean, it was just so emotional. Uh, Anne Hathaway really did it very well. Um, but Fontaine just sees her entire life go from what she thought was going to be a great relationship as she sings, um, that he was there in the spring and the summer, but then he was gone when autumn came. Uh, he took her childhood in his stride. Um, these like big emotional words about this man that she loved um, and that they were having a great life and then he's gone and how that started a ripple effect um, in her life. And then she talks about how life was something that once was given and now life is killing this dream. The song's called The Dream I Dreamed. Life has killed this dream I've dreamed is the word she uses. Um, so it, it is gut-wrenching and oh, it just makes you so um, emotional watching it. But it is such a beautiful, beautiful setup, I will say. It's a beautiful setup even though you it, you don't see the beauty in the midst of the turmoil because it's you're just magnifying into the turmoil. But when you magnify out of the turmoil, there's this beautiful picture. And I think that the very end of the musical paints that picture very well because the barricade is gorgeous. I mean, just stunning, the barricade that they build at the end where everyone is singing together. Um, and that right there is kind of the zooming out of the chaos and seeing the beautiful mural that is painted. So we're in the zooming in. So hang with me as we zoom in and continue to go through because you'll start seeing that picture start to form uh, in this musical. And it is just a beautiful, beautiful musical. Uh, so if you haven't watched it, go ahead and watch it. Uh, go enjoy it. Uh, it is a long musical, so definitely dedicate some time to sit down and watch it. I think it's two and a half hours long, um, but it is so good. Russell Crowe, Hugh Jackman, I mean, just Anne Hathaway, some really great, great singers. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll get back to Les Mis in the future, but until then, I hope you have a great week. And stay tuned and join us for the biblical series. We'll walk through Hebrews together. Uh, and please send us your questions, your comments. Uh, and uh, we'd love to hear what you have to say. 
But thank you for tuning in. I hope you have a wonderful day.